Welcome back, my friends, to the Swiss Pod, where IT leaders share the insight with other leaders and others that want to lead. My name is Carlos Vargas, and as every week, I have my two co-hosts, Howard Holton and Paul Lewis. Hey there. So I see a lot of gaming controllers. Mm, yeah. I thought that I was a gamer, but like, wow. Yeah, so this is, this is my office is kind of become, becoming my nerd cave to a, <laughs> to a rather high level. Um, I've got my 3D printers in here. Uh, I've got a nine-foot workbench. Wait, printers? You have more than one? Yeah, I have I have three printers and a resin curing uh, machine. Um, yeah, and, and I'm probably gonna add a CNC and a few a few other fun toys. Um, I then have to add the knowledge necessary to use them, but you know that's a different story altogether. It'll be Howard Holton's printing limited. Yeah, <laughs> for all of your signage needs. Yeah, junk work. <laughs> that's my that's my wall of kind of classic gaming handhelds. So I've got mm. some, I've got some modern controllers, but then um, in addition to kind of some emulation devices, I've got an, I've got a classic Game Boy. You can't see oh, it, but there's a Sega Nomad up there. There's a Neo Geo Pocket Color. Um, there's a whole bunch of Nintendo devices. Um, are they all worn work? out, or are they perfectly oh, they reasonable, usable now? Yeah, they all work. Oh. Nice. I, I may not be able to find the charging cable for every one of them, right? But part of the plan for that wall is it, it actually sits from the proud from the wall about an inch, so that I can wire all the chargers in. So, um, nice. so they 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 should be able to sit on there and be charging at the same time. Right. And you have the cartridges to enjoy the gaming. I do. I do I have I have about ten plastic bins in the basement full of uh, video games from Nintendo forward. But for a game, you put them all in the same bin, requiring you to dig through to find the ones you want. Well, that's yeah, that was half the fun. <laughs> then you just close your eyes, randomly pick one. All right, we're playing Frogger today. The reason they're in the basement is I emulate, right? I, I emulate all the time, so. Because um, it's just a it's a space issue. Plus, I have a like completionist attitude, and so if I got into collecting the cartridges, I would just that, that would be my new life, and I don't want to do that. I have too many hobbies. That's it. Comic-Con, getting cartridge by cartridge. Are you any good uh, as a gamer? <laughs> no, I'm awful. I'm terrible. I'm I'm really. I, I don't play online because I don't have the time or the energy or the willingness to compete against uh, 12-year-olds that call me a, a noob <laughs> and, uh, and spend most of my time online teabagging me. My, my son was asking me, because like uh, the new Mario movie just came out, like, are you any yeah. good, Dad? And I'm like, you know my skills. You have played with me. You know what are my skills. Uh, I had yeah. some pretty... I had some pretty tight, like seven, eight minute runs on Mario Brothers. As nice. in, from start to completion, the original Mario Brothers, sub ten minutes. Um, wow, that was, that was the kind of the pinnacle of my gaming expertise. Which is weird because I have about ten minutes of uh, attention span, and then I'm done, and I move on. I certainly didn't finish it. I certainly didn't finish level one. Well, so is that a flaw that we cannot finish or play for a long time on a game and we're in IT? I mean, attention span, I would say, certainly is a flaw. 
<laughs> it definitely has been a serious flaw in my career over the years. Yes. Yeah. 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 I, I no longer have the patience for this. I think we're done. Exactly. <laughs> I, I can't. I don't think I could quantify the number of meetings in a week that I just go, yeah, you don't need me in this anymore. I got to go. Just, <laughs> we're done. Even <laughs> asked me a question. I haven't responded to anything. I'm just kind of nodding. Just send me the recording. I won't listen to that either, but at least you could feel like you did something. Yeah. I, I remember the, the podcast that, we, that you said, I don't need to be here. Bye. <laughs> and he was joking but you're actually disconnected yeah <laughs> we've all been in sales organizations and this is always the torture week in sales right so it's the first couple of weeks in the quarter which means territory reviews which means three to four hour meetings listening to individual sales rep go over their plans it is the very definition of torture in this in any organization i'm so happy <laughs> but you have and you I have, have been, you've had to go through them. It's horrible. It's horrible. Yeah. It's horrible. I don't ever want to do that again. <laughs> Look, I, I, I'm fine. I will do it again. I don't want to, which means you have to pay me a lot of money to do it. Right. That's right. There's and a premium. USD. I'm premium not attached, yeah. Canadian loonies or toonies. Right? No ruples. There's nothing a Timmy's can't solve. That's what I'm saying. Many, many things a Timmy's can't solve. <laughs> <laughs> Although I do like the, the Timmy bites, is that what they're called? The little Tim bits. Tim Tim bits. bits. I like the yes. Tim bits. Tim bits and double double is uh, known worldwide. Uh, sir, a double double is a cheeseburger from In and Out. Oh, it's inappropriate. Double double is clearly coffee with two cream and two sugar. No, <laughs> really? that's correct. That's that's what a Canadian would ever imagine it. Double double to me. Yeah, that's fine, but there's like five of you in the whole world. So yeah. <laughs> no, the five of you can be wrong. It's okay. Next time that you come back here to Miami, I'm gonna give you a, do a double double colada. So you can double, see double the colada. Double double. A Q and coffee. Yeah, get a double double, a uh, uh, two cafecito together. Yeah, two cafecito. All right. <laughs> yeah. We'll you, all be in Orlando on next yeah, Friday yeah, and then. Fine. You, you'll be able to find your attention span with a whole army of people after two cafecitos. <laughs> Which reminds me, I did go to India last two weeks, and within the first five hours of me landing, I had five filter coffees inside me. Holy crap. And they were good. Yeah. Did you just run through Indian traffic the rest of the way? Just push the cap? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I will admit, I will admit, uh, of all the coffee drinks, um, none of the top five exist in the, like, our U.S. things. It's Vietnamese, Turkish, Indian, uh, Cuban. I, I don't even know what the fifth is, but it's probably tea. <laughs> right. The other, everything else is so far behind that particular list. Uh, yep. And Indian filter coffee is, there's just something amazing about it. Yep. It's the effort that goes into it that you have to enjoy. And then you've got the two steel cups, right? You have to aerate and you get, get the bubbles. It's a whole process you got to go through. No, I don't have to go through. I just get to receive the effort of that. <laughs> That's right. You get to enjoy the look. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I did find pictures of us last time going to Bukhari, right? right? Where we essentially had to put a, a napkin the size of a tablecloth in our Yes. No utensils and the bread the size of the no, no, table. No, 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 no. Oh, there was one set of utensils at the table. <laughs> That's true. Because when on our way there, I said I'm not doing. I don't do 
chicken with my fingers. It's gross. <laughs> chicken with my fingers. Everybody went, you don't have a choice. They don't have utensils. And I went, oh, nay, nay. <laughs> they will come up with a set of utensils. Everybody orders. And I said, sir, can I have a set of utensils? I, it bothers me to do it with my fingers. And he went, sure, no problem. <laughs> sat there and picked greasy chicken apart with your fingers. I ate like a sick <laughs> person. <laughs> and yes that may be a weakness of mine inability to to in unwillingness to get my my hands dirty you gotta do as the romans do uh conquer other nations <laughs> <laughs> i mean do keep in mind the romans the romans effectively stole their religion from everyone else and then forced everyone to worship their religion right exactly they, do that you didn't exactly go along to get along <laughs> go along to get along <laughs> That wasn't that wasn't their fiat. No, no, no. There, theirs was um, when in Rome, do as the Romans do, and Rome was the empire. It was everywhere. <laughs> That's right. Whenever you <laughs> hit land, you but, visited Rome. Yes. But, but, sir, this is Lon Londonum. Uh, no, that's Rome now. Do as we do. <laughs> right. But we're Gaulish. Uh, that's Rome now. Do as we do. <laughs> yeah, I think we misinterpreted that saying for a very, very long time. I see. So call me Caesar, give me my silverware. Right. <laughs> nice. Well, that, the trip to India did make me think about some serious uh, impacts of my personality and skill set over my career. Uh, now, in fairness, a good portion of the serious flaws I found and discovered in my trip wasn't necessarily work-related. But I did find out very quickly that I have no ability to either throw or bat in any sense of the cricket entertainment. I did enjoy watching others who were clearly 20 years younger than me on average play the game. But uh, I hit nothing and anything I threw wasn't even close to the batter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, that happens. I, I, I walked away with shame. Yeah, I'm similarly afflicted. Um, I don't play team sports. I, I refuse. I do not. Uh, the only thing I'll kind of play a team sport in is volleyball. And I'm not sure I can do it anymore. I don't have the my ankles and knees are toast from a motorcycle accident. So uh, I haven't played in years and years. But that's the only kind of rough team sport I could play. Um, I cannot play any other team sport. There's no designated server in volleyball? Uh, no. Everybody can <laughs> Uh, I was good at volleyball, and volleyball is um, it's such a small and fast sport that it doesn't bother me. Uh, when I was a child, I was very small, and I was I tended to be bullied a lot. Um, and any sport, any sport that I played, I was always undersized for my age, which made it. Uh, and I, and I'm, I've never been like Mister Coordination, uh, anyhow. So it wasn't like I was naturally gifted. <laughs> Um, and so, uh, I was always made to feel like I was letting the team down and it created this thing in my psyche that I've, uh, I just don't do team sports, mm. but you're willing to watch sports. Uh, I take a book with me, but yeah, I'm willing to watch. Sports. <laughs> so you're willing to be in the same stadium as where sport is being played. That, that is correct. <laughs> Literally. I will not go to a stadium without a book. And I have argued with security that my Kindle is not an iPad and therefore should be allowed in, and I almost always win. <laughs> You're actually showing them. Is there that. a difference? Wait, the, the, yeah, because um, a lot of a lot of sporting stadiums don't 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 let you take an iPad. 
right for recording it's distracting to everybody else yeah. but uh, and the recording function um and kindle has neither of those flaws um but there was one time i'm sitting on first baseline front row just past first first base um at a angels stadium um when they were still kind of good and i believe it was kansas city that was playing um and and uh kenny rogers was the pitcher for that game and it was his last ever um game that he would pitch he was retiring afterwards I'm paying no attention. I'm reading my book. And uh, all of a sudden, there is a ball attached to a hand right literally in between the pages, like <laughs> on my book. And I look up, and there's Kenny Rogers handing me his warm-up ball so I could give it to my four-year-old daughter who was scared of the big bearded man. <laughs> and I was, um, to say I was embarrassed would be, probably be an understatement. Were you on the big screen? No, I don't know. It was, it, I mean, maybe, it was, but it was warm-up. Oh, okay, right. that would have been way more embarrassing in the middle no, no, of the I, game. I was just embarrassing because I felt it was disrespectful. Ah. That I, I not only did I not watch them warm up in his last last um, game ever, but I didn't even notice when he walked up and tried to talk to my daughter. <laughs> I was engrossed in my book. <laughs> Fairly, you were engrossed in the text. Care for those that are watching, it was there were three of us. My wife was paying attention. It was just right. me that was oblivious. So have you highlighted a serious flaw to which you've encountered through your career attention span? Uh, yeah, I get bored easy. Yeah. Um, that, and it's, and it is very specifically getting bored easy. Um, you either have a hundred percent of my attention or less than 5% of my attention. And generally it's zero. I don't, I don't have any other way. Right. Um, I, I've learned to deal with kind of that, that boredom, in 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 a few ways um one is if i'm not interested in a job i'll leave right um i'm not likely uh it, it would be it, it's rare nowadays to find a place where i'm going to be for the next 10 or 15 years simply because um how are you going to continue to grow at a pace that keeps me interested excited and entertained for that long mm -hmm. um there are there are certainly some roles but um but it's it's rare um i liked hitachi enough that i probably would have stayed for 10 or 15 years Right. Um, I, I liked the work that we were doing, um, but but I last the I, I left the last place, the place in between Hitachi and where I'm at now, um, because of, because I wasn't getting anything done and it was boring. Right. I was I was I felt like I was shuffling deck chairs on the Titanic. Right. Not that it was sinking, but just that it was pointless. <laughs> right. You weren't actually moving into the the ship wasn't moving. Correct. Uh, yeah. Correct. I, I my attention span problem slash serious issue has been true in my career since day one still true today um i have not overcome it i may have been able to um feign um it's less of an impact <laughs> because i'm now i know how important it is and how people might perceive it but for the most part it still exists so the fo yeah. for the most part, if I'm in an hour virtual meeting, you have me for about 10 minutes, unless I'm the one talking, right? Unless I'm the one presenting something, or you've asked me a question specifically, you'll have my attention. Sure. But for the most part, I'm on different tabs. Yeah. I'm hearing you, but I'm probably not seeing you. Yeah. Yeah. The worst, the worst for me is 
um, two people spend all the time talking, and then someone goes, "Hey, Howard, what do you think?" Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> you just spent twenty minutes talking about about crap that I don't has no real relevance to me. I don't know how to respond to that. Right. Right. Um, but you can't say that in a meeting. That's not a. It's not a good look. No. No. Um, so I have learned uh, to DVR. Do you remember? Do you remember? Uh, uh, it, like early uh, TiVo, TiVo yeah. TV or something, and then commercial would come and you'd hit the button and it would overshoot and then you'd go back, you'd right. snap back 30 seconds. Well, I've learned how to snap back 30 seconds. So I can I can kind of replay, okay, this is what's it's still in buffer. And right. then, but. What was the context? Yep, let me see if I can have an opinion. Yep. Do, you, do you filibuster until such time as you remember? N no, because it, it takes less than two seconds or I don't bother. So it's not like a 30 second experience where you've had to have to start a conversation and um and ah your way through remembering and then, oh yeah, that's right. Generally, <laughs> generally. Um, the other one that, that I'm bad at is I can't remember names. Names are very hard for me. Yeah. Um, I have some tricks that I use, um, but, but they're not, but it, it's still not easy um, in the same way, you know, like I, I've learned to compensate in many ways for the attention span. Um, but the big one I see in others that, that I'd really love to cure, um, is resistance to change. That's probably the most mm -hmm. dangerous one. Um, attention span is, can be frustrating and you have to like, like you have to accept it as a flaw. And I think you have to learn how to, how to compensate so that you're not, you know, um, diminishing other people because it can diminish other people. It can be insulting. It can be, um, whatever, um, but resistance to change is so limiting to you as an individual that that that's one that needs to go away. And I'm seeing a I'm seeing a lot of it, an enormous amount of it, followed by hubris. Right, um, kind of the the I know and 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 everyone else is wrong kind of kind of crap that that we see a lot. So so let's take one at a time. And I do want to address the first one, even though it seems the weakest. It happens so frequently to me, which is remembering names. It is potentially worse than my inattention. Um, and I think the three of us see this more frequently than others might because we speak a lot. And uh, they may have come up to you after the fact in a session and you had a five minute chat. And then three years from then, you see them at another conference. You kind of recognize their face, but they absolutely know you. Oh, hi, Paul. How are you doing? Uh, Remember we talked to uh, X, XY conference, XY city, XY years ago. I have no idea who this person is. Not sure I even remember the conversation, let alone the person, let alone where they work, let alone any other context. Yeah. So, <laughs> and so it's bad. What I always do is I, ask, I, I say, I say I, I'm sorry I do a lot of these. What did we talk about? Right. Yeah. Then I can generally remember the conversation. Then I can remember the person. Right. Right. But if I remember the face, but well, the name, like you said, yeah, for me is very difficult. Can like you said, can you give me a give me a hint of what we were talking about? Because like if it was three years ago, like my wife tell me that I don't remember what I eat for breakfast. So like probably like Yeah. Right. Uh, it's funny, I used to know I used to have people memorized by their tickets. Back when I was a sysadmin and an engineer. Oh, oh. Um, somebody be like hey do you remember me no i have no idea like you know you run into him at the cafeteria or whatever no i have no idea who you are yeah 
What problem uh, did you have? Well, no, I like I worked on the fifth floor and blah blah blah. Oh, 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 right, right. You're the you know blah blah blah. Outlook wouldn't open, and then you know bad search bar installed or whatever. It's been a long time since I've been a sysadmin. <laughs> right, so user like I haven't I haven't done end user support in a long time, but but I used to. That's how I used to have them all all memorized. Right. Matter of fact, my my still to this day my single favorite ticket. I got known. I got to be known for the guy who would fix the stuff that everybody else couldn't figure out. Right. And so I'm in, I'm at Wellpoint. I'm in their Woodland Hills office, which had like 1300 people in it. It's massive. Um, and they've been dealing with this one user for a week and mm -hmm. I'm not on the end user support team at this point. I'm managing the data center, but I have a reputation. So a couple of guys come up and they're kind of laughing and, and Hey Howard, we need you to come check something out. I'm like, uh, okay. Um, let me pull up the ticket. And I get into the ticket and I look at it and I'm like, so, so the user is concerned that there's a recording device installed on their computer because every now and again, it types something that someone says. And they went, yep. And the ticket's been open for like a week. Why have you left the ticket open for like a week? And they're like, cause we can't solve the problem. And I'm like, I will, I'm willing to bet I can have it solved before lunch. <laughs> if I do you buy lunch. Yeah, absolutely. If I don't, I'll buy both of you lunch. Nice. You can pick the location, but I get to pick if I win. Right. No problem. So we go upstairs. I sit down. I go, show me the problem. She does exactly, shows exactly the problem. I go, okay, cool. Um, gentlemen, let's go to lunch. And they're like, you haven't solved it yet. I reached behind the computer. I unplugged the microphone and I turned off accessibility. Hmm. Microsoft <laughs> in that version of Office had added a brand new feature which was text to speech right that you turned on in accessibility and the company had distributed headsets for everyone as part of a new voice over ip rollout that never actually happened she, the headset was plugged in and then she dropped the headset behind the computer because she never used it because she never used it and so the <laughs> microphone kept picking things up but it but it, it it wasn't faced in the right direction so it only picked things up every once in a while right Right. And as soon as I saw what it was doing, I'm like, oh, yeah, there's some text to speech going on here. I found that, turned it off, went, okay, yeah. that means there's a microphone, found the microphone and unplugged it. And we were off to lunch. And they <laughs> did not make that bet again. <laughs> in San Fernando Valley is very expensive. And, um, um, and, and I have and a sumo wrestler's appetite for sushi. So, sumo. <laughs> uh, and you remember their names? No, I just remember. <laughs> <laughs> You remember so the restaurant that you went to eat? Uh, it is it is now closed. Mm. I think it. I oh well, that's bad. I think it was called Toro. I think it was called Toro. Mm. There were a lot of good sushi restaurants in in uh, the San Fernando Valley, so I I stopped remembering all of them. Matter of fact, it, it was almost harder to find a bad sushi restaurant than it was to find a good sushi restaurant. Right. Not a bad, not a bad uh, thing to have. Although I will say one of my favorites is in is in um, Toronto, over by the hotel that I the I want to say the Westin. There's this little kind of uh, like sidewalk alley that I would that I walk to uh, two mm -hmm. or three times. Really good, I little tiny place. I went often enough they started to recognize me, and no one recognized me in Toronto. <laughs> I look like every other Canadian. Really good. Was it in the winter? Your beard would have been normal. Uh, well, I mean, I, I went there every I went there every time I was in Toronto. So. I see. Yeah, the only time I didn't was the one time I stayed way the heck out of the city, like an idiot. 
in the like airport. near the airport. Oh, uh, it was the first time I went, and I didn't understand the corporate travel policy. So the hotel that I got was in the middle of BFE, and and my my then supervisor said, "What are you doing? Don't do that again." <laughs> I approve whatever. Right. Uh, and then I stayed at One Kings until, uh, well, until they, you know, didn't have a room, and then I stayed at the Westin. Right. I actually liked the Westin a little better. Until you learned that Marriott loyalty was your friend. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that was remembering people. The the inability to change or resistance to change. I, it's not a flaw of yours, but you've certainly seen it in others. Earlier in their career, late in their career, is it a current problem now? Oh, I see it now. I see it now, and it's worse now than I think than I think it may have ever been. Um, the, the rate of change is higher than it's ever been, both kind of within the technology space and then just within the world in general. Hmm. Um, and and I, I'm seeing it in huge ways. Right, I was talking to a customer this morning, um, and they're talking about um, uh, big telecom. And they have a, a, a system for big telco. It doesn't, doesn't matter what it is. But um, one of the pieces of it is they help, they help the customer update their knock. Hmm. Right? Um, the most critical piece for any telco is the knock. goes without saying. But, but yeah. the same could be said for all of us. Right? Right. Our most critical, critical component is our knock. Um, and the knock manager hears kind of the, the new way of thinking. Right, Network as a service, as an example. And then immediately, and this this person, I don't mean knock manager as in they're a management level person. I mean knock manager as in they're likely a VP, right? And they almost immediately go, "What? What is that? What? What, what do I do? What's my new job?" Mm-hmm. Right? Well, come on, dude. Like you run it now. Uh, if you step up and learn a few things, you'll continue to run it in the future. Right? <laughs> like the fear based response blows my mind. Um, mm. No one's talking about replacing your job. But you are going to be asked to learn some new things. Right. You are going to, you know, your, your cheese will be moved. Do you want to go find the new cheese, or do you just want to, you know, wither and die in the corner? In which case, you'll be replaced before the uh, before the sun sets. Right. So and, you think this is an executive problem and an individual contributor problem and a middle management problem? Absolutely. And, and I think I, I I think it's a it's it's made much much worse because um, as a as a CIO as an example, we make. 50 decisions a week that impact the whole of technology. Mm-hmm. How many times do we all consider the impact that that has on the leadership personalities underneath us? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I, I would argue the further you get away from the CIO, the more you're used to it. Not that that's a good thing or necessarily a bad thing. Um, and the better you are at rolling with the punches, right? The number of engineers that roll with the punches per capita seems to be far higher than the number of mid, mid-level mid managers that roll with the punches. Like mid-level management doesn't seem to roll with the punches at all. Now, is that because we there's been so many changes so frequently in the last decade that they're numb to change and therefore rolling with it just means an assumption that another change is coming in two months. So why does it really matter? Could be. Yeah. Indifference, I guess is what I'm suggesting. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, like a sense of apathy. It could, it yeah. very well could be. Um, at the same time, if that's the case, it absolutely makes them unable to recognize change that is important. Hmm. Right. Like it's, it's, and, and, and if that's, if that's where you're at, right. If, 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 if where you are listening to this is, um, I get what you're saying, Howard, but ultimately 
I'm going to have a new boss in two weeks right. or two months or a year. And all I have really have to do is tread water until the new person comes. And then I'll have to worry about this change. So I don't have to change. And every time I've changed, they've replaced the person or countermanded the order two months later. So it doesn't really matter. Um, while that may be true, then the skill you must develop is the ability to rec recognize when the winds themselves are changing. Hmm. Right. Forget about who's manning the helm at hour to hour. When the winds change, it doesn't matter what you want the ship to do. The ship is moving. Right. Yeah. Right? It's the trend line there, not the individual change. Co correct. And yeah. and that's what I see the miss. I see those same people that have the first attitude also completely miss the trend line. And they're dismissive of everything, right? They're dismissive of cloud. They're dismissive of no SQL databases. They're dismissive of anything that's as a service. They're dismissing of anything that's that's a software replacement for what we did with hardware. They're just, they're, they're just dismissive of all of it. Um, they're dismissive of Agile, as an example. Mm -hmm. right? Agile doesn't work. Right? The, the way we've always done it this way, and it's always worked. Mm, no, it hasn't always worked. Matter of fact, it almost never works. That doesn't mean <laughs> Agile works every time. Right? But it doesn't mean that what you do today works. And, it's, and, and it's, it's that level of arrogance and that level of hubris that I see pushing in an awful lot more. And there's a lot of circumstances in that example where Agile is not appropriate. Correct. Correct. <laughs> uh, I, I, I was on vacation. I met with a friend that I haven't seen in years. He lives in Virginia and he works for government, uh, government agency or government funded institution doesn't really matter for the purpose of this conversation. Um, and they've gone a hundred percent agile across the organization for anything and everything for anything and everything. Wow. And he is on a team of two that manages one product and that's what they're responsible for. And he's like, this is, it's ridiculous. Before, if the two of us went to lunch and one of us had a good idea, we would just go back to our desk and implement it and good to go. Right. Right. Now I have to have a stand up. I have to do a sprint. I have to define it. We have to do a regression. We have to do a, a needs analysis. We have to do a post analysis. Like the amount of overhead necessary means where before we got 50 changes done a year each, we're now going to get four done. Right. And no one, you know, everybody, everybody knew they could, but no one thought if they should. <laughs> right. I certainly don't want agile to be the process of um, sending somebody to moon. Right. I, I don't want a mid-level production release in my rocket. <laughs> I, I want it fully baked, fully qualified before it's ready to be sent yep. away. If you, if you look at the problems we had during the moon landing, I'm not sure that it wasn't half-baked. I'm not sure that, <laughs> that wasn't the first implementation of Agile ever. Possibly. You know, um, like... But, but back to Series Floss. What's interesting, at least how I think is interesting, the Series Flaw of resistance to change, I had the opposite effect. If anything, I changed too much in my earlier career. I was king of change. I loved introducing new process, new org changes, new ways of doing things, new leadership styles. And that was detrimental to my leadership, implementing so much change so quickly, where the team under me just didn't know where my head was at, didn't know what was important, didn't know where to spend their time, didn't know what reporting was realistic or not. And what I learned over time to temper that was to hold back the change that was unnecessary and push the change that was necessary. And even if change was coming from on high through me to my team, I still filtered out 
what I thought was less important to what I thought was important so that the only change we implemented were the highest priority changes. That took decades of appreciation, but I'm still pro-change versus anti-change and maybe still too much on the pro-change side, but I know that it was 100% change 100% of the time in my earlier years. Yeah, yeah, it was the same. I, I will say one of the things that you said makes me bring up kind of another flaw. Um, and, and we probably all go through it at some point to, to some degree, right? Um, mostly early in our management career, but, but too many people seem to think the job of management is to say yes to those above and no to those below. <laughs> when the exact opposite is true. Right. You have to say no to those above and yes to those below. Right. Can you help me with this? Yes. Can we do this? No. Right. Because if you don't, if all you are is a mouthpiece for those above you, you're completely unnecessary. Right. Right. Because it's, it's just a, it's just a straight, straight path. If you never say no to those above you and, and by that, by, by, by which I mean, you don't say no a lot. You're, you're useless. You're completely and utterly useless. And if all you do is say no to those below you, you're especially useless and frustrating. Hmm. The job is to say no to those above you. And that could be from the board all the way down to a second level manager. Your job is to say no. Right. You say no to the board. No, that's not reasonable. This is why it's not reasonable. This is why we're not going to do that. Uh, I see where you're going with it. And let's talk about whether that, whether, whether the directionality has merit and if we need to do something there. But no. The irony is that over years, that promotability came from the people who said yes, right? That rolled up the sleeve, figured it out, got it done at the detriment of the company or at the detriment of their team. They had the highest turnover, but they still said yes to the executives and the executives said, you're ready for a promotion. I'm not saying that was right, but time sure. and time again, it happened. Yeah, yeah. Um, I figured out the no thing relatively early, hmm. and it took it took a while to kind of overcome it. But it, eventually, you get you get enough experience and and gravitas that you carry that the no is a comfort, right. and you get you, you start to get promoted because of the no. Um, and when you don't, you can almost always readily identify the bad leader that's in the way, right? Right? Who's not leading? They're just terrified because. They're just another former middle manager that doesn't that never understood the job and continue to fail up. Yeah. And the good leaders give two answers. It's no, I won't do that, but I will do this. Correct. <laughs> Versus just no. Okay. Let's talk about the last one you brought up because I think it's the most interesting. Um, the, hu the hubris, right? I know all and therefore all my decisions are correct. Did, was that a flaw of yours that you had that you've overcome? or somebody else has that you've witnessed them overcome? Uh, it's one I see on the daily and it's one that I hope I don't have anymore. Hmm. Um, but I'm sure I have some of it, right? I mean, I absolutely have it when it comes to food. I know I am right when it comes to food. There's no way. I went to sushi with you, sir. I like, I, I know that I know the Delta. Um, <laughs> the double, double thing. I know I'm hundred percent right on. Uh, <laughs> Out of the gate, <laughs> out of the gate, out of the gate. Um, but 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 I, it's one I see constantly, right? Um, I constantly see, you know, no, you're wrong. Uh, okay, well, when was the last time you were a buyer? Well, I've only ever been in marketing, so never then. 
never done. Oh, you've been at this company 30 years and you've never had any other job? That's interesting. Yeah, or what we see is this. Yeah, of course that's what you see because you only see the results of a sale post-sale. Right. So you've already got confirmation bias working in your favor. Is that really the direction that you want? I'm happy. You want to play in your confirmation bias, it's fine. But I don't think you're going to get the result that you want. Do you want to do it a different way? No. Right. Okie dokie. And then I immediately tell my CEO, I won't be involved in this project. <laughs> well, how do you instill objectivity? Not in others, because I'm not sure that's even possible. But how do you instill objectivity in yourself in order to get over this assumption that you're right, that your experience and expertise is the only thing you need? Uh, I, I try to assume that I'm wrong. Um, and then... Um, when, when I'm pretty sure I'm right and, and others have insisted that I'm wrong, I then double check. Mm -hmm. I try to validate using, by consuming other outside sources, be it one or many. Um, I think I've told the story before where uh, I moved to Colorado, chatting with someone on Reddit. Um, and I was talking about Colorado being purple and a newly purple state, um, to which they said, you're an idiot. We've had Democrat governors go look it up. <laughs> and I went, oh, okay, let's. Okay, I'm pretty sure I'm not wrong, but okay. Um, first off, the way we do that in the states, you are your the state of your color is not remotely dependent on what what you've had for local leadership, but rather how you voted in presidential elections. Okay. Um, up until uh, Obama, uh, Colorado had voted red almost universally. Interesting. Thus, a red state. Um, okay. When they when when Obama showed up, they switched to purple because they they voted for Obama twice. Anyhow. Um, Turns out there's a guy who wrote a college textbook on the geopolitics of Colorado because it is so incredibly fascinating how Colorado works. And historically, until about 2006, no Democrat that ran for a major ticket within the state of Colorado would have qualified as a Democrat in another state. Interesting. Because Colorado is incredibly fiscally conservative. Mm. And they would simply be another form of Republican in any other state, but they ran as the opposition and it was purely on social issues. Right. Um, even, even those were relatively um, conservative comparatively, you know, compared to some of the, some place like California. Um, but that's the, but, I, but I, so I read the entire college textbook just so I could respond right. to somebody I never met on Reddit and go, actually I wasn't completely full of crap, but now I know a whole ton more about the, about the, the situation. Right. Um, so, so I consume a lot and, and I consume a lot um, from wild and various and varied sources so that I can try to maintain some level of critical thought about a topic and not just fall into confirmation bias or the hive mind. Mm -hmm. It does, of course, happen. Um, and I berate myself internally every time I find it. But, um, but I really try hard to not do that. Um, I try hard to not be arrogant and I try really hard not to be ever be the smartest person in the room. I also think the action of apologizing is an effective way to teach your mind not to do it again, right? So you go through the process where somebody um, disagrees with you, you do the research, they end up being right. The action of you publicly saying, yep, I was wrong. You were right. Apologize. I was uh, I yep. was not in tune to the knowledge. This is your win. That action actually creates this new engine in your mind so that when you do have another opinion, you, you think to yourself, 
do I want to go through the process of proving myself wrong again? Because that didn't feel that good. Well, well, it's also, um, I think part of the reason that it be, that it's a problem, and 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 one of, and, and I'm I'm with you, right? Yeah. Um, is we seem to have this idea that apologizing is admitting that you're wrong is somehow bad. Right. Nothing is further from the truth. Mm-hmm. Saying I don't know, there's nothing wrong with that. Just say I don't know. Right. Right. Um, and then just assume the other person always has good intentions. That's the other advice I would give to people. Mm-hmm. Right. A lot of the times we get wrapped around the axle on things, um, and a lot of it comes from from a, a poor assumption that the other person um, isn't coming from a good place. And if you assume the other person comes from a good place, you can generally find your way through just about anything. Right. And yeah, be, be always be willing to apologize. Always be willing to admit that you're wrong. Yeah. It doesn't actually hurt you. And I've had to um, come to grips and discuss openly with anybody who ever asks that the CTO role, the CIO role isn't the top technologist, right? The definition of a CTO isn't knowing more than everyone else, either deeply or broadly. The CTO is an executive role, not a practitioner knowledge role. In other words, there's a very big difference between the chief architect and the chief technologist. Yep. Knowing that's true, when I do something like an AMA, um, Apithian, where we do like a tech battle, I'm very clear that I start the conversation saying, this is not a stump the chump, right? You are going to win by asking me questions I clearly don't know. So let's level set that now. <laughs> the goal here isn't to prove that you're smarter than me. I already know you're smarter than me, right? You, you already have that. I, you win. We don't have to go through that. So let's spend our time in the AMA talking about things that you don't know that I might be able to provide some interesting objective opinion, advice, perspective on. That, that's where we should spend our time. Yeah. And it's made the AMAs differently better. Oh, that's good. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And I can see that. And, and yeah, there's a lot of people that seem to think that um, e- even that the, C- the CIO or the CTO or whatever is useless because they don't know the technology as well as everyone else. Right. Um, and, and I always find that humorous. I, I had somebody tell me that and I just laughed at them. I laughed, openly laughed. I'm like, do you, so what you're telling me is you don't understand the role of the C- CIO. Um, do you want to do that someday? Oh yeah, I, I could do that now. No, you can't do that now. <laughs> That's right. Because you somehow think that it's that it's technical. Um, and you know that person, if put in a leadership position, would lead as though they were the worker. Right. Right, which is exactly the opposite of how, like I made that mistake early on. I absolutely did. I was a high performer. I got promoted. I had run teams before I got promoted. Um, and I expected everyone to be uh, as knowledgeable or as smart or as willing to do blah, 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 as committed as whatever I was. I expected everyone to like, that was the bottom line. That was the, the, the baseline, right? The, the, the low watermark that I expected everyone to hit. And of course, in, 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 in some way, nearly everyone failed. Yeah, they never met your expectations. Correct, because my expectations were based off the mirror that, that only existed within my head. Let's be honest, I was young and stupid at the time. I'm, I'm just older and stupid. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not necessarily smart now. Um, but, but everyone's destined to fail at that point right. because I didn't understand the role that I was in. 
it was impossible for me to lead people that were that were doing the job that I had just left. Right. It was the most amazing thing. And when it when I realized what I was doing wrong, and when I really thought about it, it totally changed the role for me. Hmm. Um, and 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 you've had to I've had to do that at every step, right? Every every step up the ladder. Um, it changes the expectation. It changes the role. It changes the, you know, the, the focus and and um, but but it it doesn't change how you lead if you lead well. Right. right. Agreed. As long as you have that, if as long as you turn that crank, right? Yep. Where I am now a leader of people. I am now not the practitioner of work. Correct. Uh, and yep. my job isn't to grade their work. It's really right. not. Absolutely not. Or their methods or anything else. My yep. job is to help them be the best they can be. Yeah. And that's it. That's right. right. I have other things that I'm responsible for, but when it comes to those people that I lead, that's my job. Right. Carlos, we talked about a lot of serious flaws here. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that the change is the one that takes us the most because it's, it's difficult for people to change their way. If I knew something in technology, it defined me. I was a COBOL programmer. I was a Fortran programmer. And I'm using those all examples because those were people, skill set that for a while, they were the biggest thing, then change. Now my identity that was attached to that, I need to learn not to. So I had to change that. So that make a big difference. Mm -hmm. And you said something, Howard, that is very important that we have talked about a lot in different ways. And is that Leading has nothing to do with your technical acumen or technical expertise. Um, you know, we should we should launch like a leadership program or something uh, <laughs> to teach people something about. Um, yeah, uh, that was a very good conversation. I'm always like like a fly on the wall, learning, understanding, applying. Um, And you that are listening, make sure that you take the time. Take the time, pause the video when you hear something, jot it down, share it with your team, share with others. Because I think that at the end of the day, the idea is how we can grow, change, and implement for the future. My friends, make sure that you share, you subscribe. We'll see you on our next video. <laughs>